Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for giving us a good night's sleep. Father, at such early an hour, if we have uh, disgraced you or dishonored in any way, we ask for your forgiveness. And as we have convened in this humble abode, we ask that your Holy Spirit may descend upon us to fulfill the promises of Jesus, to guide us, to teach us, and to lead us to truth. Father, may your Holy Spirit convict us this morning and help us to understand what you would have us to understand. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, on stony ground, worship growing deep into the earth. Do you guys have your Bibles and a note with you? A note, uh, not a note uh, from your teacher, but like a notebook or a pen. That would be good to have. Um, we're going to be jiving right into this right away. Okay? Review, for those of you who weren't yesterday, uh, yesterday, the fourth session, we just do a little review. Jesus' word makes Jesus' disciples. It's based on John chapter 8. We're going to be memorizing that once again a little bit later on. The word changes us into God's character. These are just simple uh, statements, but they're actually just reviewed from yesterday. So I'm trying to distill so we don't have to go over and bore the rest of you who are here. According to the parable of the sower, there are three ways where the word is prevented from changing us into his disciples. If you don't know what the first way is, go get the MP3 from yesterday. Review. By the wayside is... Uh, the first seeds were spread on the wayside, yeah? These were the seeds that were not on the way, but right next to the way. So they have uh, an easy way of being deceived. They're thinking they're on the way, but they're not. Okay? So there's those people who are at church, but not really at church in spirit. Those who are doing devotions, but they're not, you know. So I mentioned that yesterday. The word of God is heard, but immediately taken away by Satan. It's superficial hearing of the word. And the wayside heart represents inattention, ADD people, I call it, spiritually ADD, okay? Losing, loosing, loosing, regarding the Word of God. I have no idea what that means, so just disregard that. <laughs> a faulty, faulty devotion life, a lack of spiritual application, and that which is almost to the mark, but really off, okay? So those who are there, but not really there. Choice. Throughout the parable of the sword, this is in Christ's Object Lessons, page 56, Christ represents different results of the sowing as depending on the soil. Thus, he teaches that if the word of God fails of accomplishing its work in our hearts and lives, the reason is to be found where? Okay. Now, here's the thing. The reason why we're going through Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8, and uh, Matthew chapter 13 is many people of, maybe some people in the Adventist church, I don't know, but a lot of the Christianity believe the four soils, uh, Jesus is teaching predestination. How many of you heard that before? Okay. So, Jesus is out there, he's spreading the um, seed, <laughs> and there's four types of soil, and the four types of soil are already predetermined, and if you're the thorns, oh well. Jesus planted you that way, and if you're the stony ground, oh well. Okay? Now, what Christ's object lessons is saying is Jesus' essence, in essence, is teaching us that we have the choice to become what soil we want. Is that clear? Okay? So, don't feel like, oh, I'm the thorny one, and I can't get out. You can change, amen, by God's grace. Is that clear? Okay, you can choose. The reason is found uh, is to be found in ourselves, but the result is not beyond our control. True, we can't change ourselves, but the power of choice is ours, and it rests rests with us to determine what will become. Okay. The theme text is John chapter eight verse thirty-one. Please open it up in your Bibles. Have it open in your laps. We're actually going to memorize this together. It's a very short verse. Don't be afraid. I won't make a fool out of you if you don't know how. Well, maybe I will, but maybe later. And we're going to do this, guys and girls, and everyone together, old people, young people. Just we're going to memorize scripture, just one scripture together. Okay. 
So repeat after me. If you continue in my word. Okay, so I'm doing this because it's early in the morning and your minds are just clogged with... What did you guys eat for breakfast today? Wheaties? And what did you say? Oatmeal. Okay, your, your, your minds are clogged with oatmeal and Wheaties. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we need to wake up, and you know, yesterday we talked about, sometimes when we read the Word of God, we're just so like, whoa, whatever. This is the Word of God, friends. We've got to like just, attention span, and like, duh, this is the Word of God, yes? Okay. John chapter 8, verse 31, if ye continue in my Word. Alright, we're going to do this one more time. With all the zeal and energy you can muster up at 9.30 in the morning on a Friday. If ye continue in my Word. Then are ye my disciples indeed. Okay, I'm going to read it one more time. If ye continue my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Okay, but you're not really memorizing right now because all of you are staring at that screen, so you're just reading along with me. So everyone close your eyes. Okay, no one's going to hit you or slap you in the back of your head, so don't worry about that. Your insecurity will be assuaged here, okay? So repeat after me, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Okay, have you memorized it yet? Okay, keep your eyes closed. We're going to do the whole thing, okay? The next step is the whole verse in one shot. Are you ready? If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed? Oh, wait, repeat, repeat after me. <laughs> okay, ready, go. Okay, ladies, go. Gentlemen, go. Okay. Gentlemen, one more time. We need, where are the men of God? Okay, one more time. Close your eyes. Don't sneak peek. Okay, I know some of you are sneaking and looking at the screen, but don't do that. Don't look at your Bibles. Pretend you're... Okay. With all your memorizational ability in your brains that God has given you, memorize this one verse this morning. Ready? Gentlemen, go. Okay, ladies, pray for our brothers here. <laughs> pray for them. Pray for them. Okay, um, young people, ready? Go. Okay, and those who are young at heart, okay, go. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. Thank you very much. Okay, we're going to be memorizing this uh, later on today, so just uh, don't forget it. It's easy to memorize short term, yes? The STM bank is, is very easy to get into, but transitioning from STM to LTM long term is very difficult, yeah? Um, open your Bibles to, we're going to do a little a scripture study on the second type of ground, the stony ground, Matthew 13, and we're going to look at Mark chapter 4 and also Luke chapter 8, the three chapters where this parable is found, uh, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Scripture reads, Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. When their sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Mark is very similar. He says, Some fell on the stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. 
When the sun was up, it was scorched, and because of that, it withered away. Withered away. Very similar to Matthew. But Luke is a little different. And I don't know why amongst the three Gospels, Luke always takes a little different... Uh, I don't know, he's a doctor, he's weird doctors. Luke chapter 8 says, Some fell upon the rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Okay, Maybe that's the more scientific term back then. Interpretation, scripture interprets scripture. Matthew 13 later on says, He that received the seed into sunny places, the same as he that hears the word of God, and anon with joy receives it. Yet hath he no root in himself, but dures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, by and by he is offended. Mark 4 says something similar, but it's a little different. On the, on the bold part it says, When affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And Luke says, They on the rock, it doesn't say stony ground, Luke just says rock. Uh, they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, fall away. Can you guys read that? That's mighty small up there. Oh, well. <laughs> Comparison. I'm going to compare uh, the interpretation and, and the first part, okay? So there are some seeds that fall on the stony places or the rock. That's receiving the word. There's not much earth, so they sprung up immediately. That's not much depth, so they're happy. Okay? You ever meet superficial Christians? They have no idea why they're Christians, but they're so happy. They're so, we're actually going to talk about it later today uh, in, this, in this part about worship services. How many of you have been to worship services that are super, super happy? Now, I'm not saying worship services have to be sad to be real. I'm not saying that. Okay? But there is a general... Tra- uh, I won't get into it. We'll say it later. Okay, keep going on. The sun scorches... And that's affliction, tribulation, or persecution for what? The word's sake. Not for your sake, for the word's sake. That's what the Bible says. Some people, some people say, you know, I wore a red shirt today, I went to church, and they persecuted me. I hate this. This is the sun scorching upon my back. No, it's not. Okay? It's for the word's sake. It's a very, uh, that's different. And they wither because of no roots, and these guys are offended, and they fall away. And Luke says there's no moisture, and it's very similar because if the sun scorches, what happens to the plant? The moisture goes away. Okay? Rock and depth. The soil is bedrock. Simple bedrock. Rocky soil, boom. Okay? Have you ever dug a hole and you, you hit bedrock? I am an only child. I grew up having no brothers and sisters, because that's what only child means. And what I do is I, you know, have... Uh, not imaginary friends, but I, I do things that, to keep myself occupied. And one thing that I absolutely love to do is what? I guess that's hard. Oh, that's a hard question to answer because I hate when speakers do that. They ask you these. Anyway, uh, well, as an only child, I used to love digging holes. How many of you love digging? Not now, but used to love digging holes. Now, I used to think I can get to China, and, and if I'm lucky, I can veer right a little bit and hit Korea on the way there, okay? Because I'm Korean. Now, in my backyard, you can hit, you can go so deep and you hit bedrock. And you dig and you dig and you dig and you can't get any deeper. This bedrock is superficial. It prevents the seed from growing deeper. It blocks roots and provides no foundation. So the seed comes in. It's, uh, the seed does whatever seeds do. It, it rots, I guess. It dies. And then the, the, the little stringy things come out. They're called roots. And they go down, down, down. And bam, they hit the what? The bedrock. And they can't grow any further. The rock is self, the carnal nature, and the old man. 
So here's what happens. The Word of God comes, and either through devotional, through preaching, through GYC, through fortune cookie with scripture on it, I don't know, and it comes into your heart, and it, it, it gets to a certain degree, but when it gets to a certain point, it hits your selfishness. Now, some people are conscious of this. Some people are not. The people who are ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, I'm selfish, help me to overcome this, da 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 The people who aren't say, this is ridiculous. Why do I need to change for this sake? Okay? Going on. The rock itself, the carnal nature of the old man. So see, the word of God grows, but only superficially. Okay? There is a facade of joy and growth. Superficial religion, in, uh, not Colossians, Christ Object Lessons, page 46. Many who make a profession of religion are stony ground hearers. Like the rock underlying the layer of earth, the selfishness of the natural heart underlies the soil of their good desires and aspirations. Isn't this shocking? Some of you are here at GYC. You actually may be here for a selfish reason. Ooh. I know people who are here to find their future spouse. How many here, uh, don't raise your hand, how many here to find your future spouse? I know there are people who do, your, do their devotions because they want to look more pious than their roommate. How many know what I'm talking about? I had a roommate and, and I was one of these people. It's always at retreats where you have a roommate and, and uh, this guy, well, I'm going to wake up at 6 o'clock tomorrow and do my devotional. Well, if he's going to get up at 6 o'clock... I'm going to get up at 5.30. And if I wake up at 5.30, he's like feeling, oh no, he's already awake, so he's like, i got to get out of bed. Da, da, da. And we're competing, it's like 3 in the morning, and it's just like, he's <laughs> like sleepy and fine. There is a selfish motive, there can be a selfish motivation to good and spiritual things. Is that true or false? Church ladies can make potluck for the entire church for selfish motivation. Amen? That one person makes the pasta, other person makes lasagna, and they don't make it to feed the crowd, they make it to outdo the other deaconess or elder's wife. Yes? It's not just females. Men in church also compete for doing spiritual things. Hey, I want to preach so I can out-preach the pastor, or da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever. The selfishness of the natural heart underlies the soil of their good desires and aspirations. So superficially, it's good, but in your heart, it's selfish. The love of self is not subdued. They have not seen the exceeding sinfulness of sin. The heart has not been humbled under the sense of its guilt. This class may be easily convinced and appear to be bright converts, but they only have a superficial religion. So on the outside, it's good. Inside, they have no idea what's going on. They're happy. <laughs> they're joyous. And they've got no problems. They're innately selfish. And, I'm, I, and I think... The majority of the Adventist church is not like this. I could be wrong. I have no basis for that judgment whatsoever. But there are other denominations out there who have interesting worship styles, and they go to use religion. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. There are people out there who attack Christians. How many of you have heard this? I work on a, a, a public university setting, and many atheists say, you know what, Christians, they go to church just to feel better. They're like... Uh, needy individuals and like, oh, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I need to feel good. And they come to church and, they, oh, an all-caring fatherly teddy bear wraps his arms around you and pats you on the back and you feel warm and cuddly and, and after you do, you can go back and face the entire week. Okay? Many Christians are living that kind of life. Next slide. 
Luke 14 uh, is, it talks about discipleship. It is not because men receive the word immediately, nor because they rejoice in it that they fall away. But those who in the parable are said to receive the word immediately do not what? Count the cost. Now, I want to tell you guys this. Christianity, uh, biblical Christianity, I believe it to be Adventism, is hard. If anyone says it's easy, they have no idea what they're talking about. Amen? But even though it's hard, it's quite rewarding. Amen? It really is. So don't think Christianity is accept Jesus and you're on a roller coaster downhill from that point on. It's not. Uh, we'll go to Luke chapter 14. We're going to open there right away. It's not in the slide, so you don't have the convenience of reading it. Jesus is speaking in Luke chapter 14. And I call this the chapter of cannot be my disciples because Jesus says you cannot be my disciple three times. Okay, So there are three uh, conditions of how not to be disciples of Jesus. First one is found in chapter 14, verse 25. You guys there? Amen? Okay. There went a great multitude with him and he turned and said unto them, if man, if any man or woman comes to me and hates not his father, mother, wife, children, brethren, and sisters, yea, in his life also he, what? Cannot be my disciple. Now, this word for hate is not hate. So don't go home and say, Mom, I went to GYC and I learned to hate you. So I hate you. Okay? We're going to talk about hate the next part. Okay? This hate is talking about put number two. Uh, Jacob hated Leah but loved Rachel. Yeah? That doesn't mean I was like, oh, I love you, Rachel, and I hate you, Leah. <laughs> That's not in the Hebrew. It actually means I love you, Rachel, first, and Leah, unfortunately, I love you second. Okay. So we must love our fathers, da da da, all these things second. But number one is Jesus. If you do not do this condition, you cannot. It's an absolute statement. You cannot be a disciple. Number two is found in verse twenty-seven. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's the second one. Okay. But the third one we want to talk about, which is what this, this, this uh, quote is referring to, is found in verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Uh, verse 31. What king, going out to make war against another king, sits not down first and consults whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him, uh, that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. Verse 33 is where it says again, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Okay. Counting the cost. The way I look at it is this. How many of you have been to church? I'm a church pastor, and we have a church um, bulletins. Yeah? You know what church bulletins are? Programs? Okay. Um, I went to a church, and they, and they said, you know, there's 2,000 people there. Hey, can you help fold these bulletins in half? They weren't pre-folded. Okay. Don't you hate when people ask you to do these, these menial things? I hate it. On Sabbath morning, I want to worship God. Hey, can you fold? I'm like, ugh, all right. Okay. Now, I'm of the mentality is, let's just jump right in and just start doing it. 2,000, so you take one, to, you know, I'm all about hard work, the Protestant work ethic, you fold, 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 fold. And I'm there for like 30 minutes, I'm going to be done like, like 100 or so, we got like 1,900 more to go. Okay, I'm like, great. 
So I'm like, should I get more people? Da 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 da. And so the head, how deacon comes with me and says, you know what? We should, before you do this, think about strategically what we should do before we jump right into it. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's a smart idea. That's a, how come I didn't think of that? He's like, first of all, let's get more people involved. I'm like, that's a smart idea. That's smart. Let's get more people. And let's not do one by one. I'm like, that's brilliant. Let's not do one by one. What should we do? Let's do two by two. I'm like, I got a better idea. Instead of two by two, let's do ten by ten. He's like, no, no, that's a bad idea because what happens if you ten by ten is like the inside and the outside don't match up. You know what I'm talking about? So like some are like, they get folded like, like this. And then the other ones are like, they're not really folded, just kind of rounded on. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So I'm like, but two by two or three by three or four by four is like the optimum number. Okay, so those of you guys, if you're the folder uppers in your churches, you can do that. So I learned at GYC, the best way to fold it. Anyway, we folded it and we were done in 30 minutes in time for Sabbath school. Before you jump right in, we need to think about strategically what it's going to take, the time, da da da, da all these things. Amen? In Christianity, the same exact thing. If any preacher says, just jump right in, it's easy, and you're going to sit down, it's not. Jesus says, think about it before you do it. You cannot be my disciple. It's an absolute statement. Absolute. Anyway. She says here, It is not because men receive, oh, where you go, do not count the cost. They do not consider what the word of God requires them. They do not bring it face to face with all their habits of life and yield themselves fully to its control. There's some people yesterday who asked, we talked about devotions yesterday. Um, how come my devotional life only gets to a certain degree and there's a ceiling, a glass ceiling? How come? Why is that so? Okay. Now, I didn't tell them this yesterday because I didn't know if it was true, but there are, in some instances, God will not bless you in your devotional life because you have already rejected something in your devotions. If we're not willing to obey everything that we learn and experience in the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit, God actually withdraws His blessings from us. There's actually another quote that says, If we do not come to the Word of God with an obedient heart and uh, a submissive heart and with a prayerful heart for the Holy Spirit, reading Scripture is actually detrimental to your spiritual health. Fascinating. The willingness of the heart is the most core thing when it comes to devotions. And the reason we hit the ceiling is we come in and we, we have this natural selfishness, this bedrock in us that refuses to go away. And a lot of us, I believe us as Adventists in the fifth, sixth generation, we've been reading scripture for informational sake, nothing else. So we're just like, hey, the prophecy of 2300 days, and we calculate all these things and draw out the pictures, but there's no spiritual benefit for us whatsoever. Next quote. Fake religion. Many receive the gospel as a way of escape from suffering rather than as deliverance from sin. They rejoice for a season, for they think that religion will free them from difficulty and trial. While life, smoothly, while life moves smoothly with them, they may appear to be consistent Christians. Okay, Again, outside, totally cool. Inside, totally not cool. That's the theological term, not cool. But they faint beneath the fiery test of temptation. They cannot bear reproach for Christ's sake. When the Word of God points out some cherished sin or requires self-denial or sacrifice, they are what? Offended. 
It would cost them too much effort to make a radical change in their life. They look at the present inconvenience and trial and forget the eternal realities. Like the disciples who left Jesus, they are ready to say, this is a hard saying, who can bear it? So, superficial worship. A routinized or intentional ignorance of the word, using Christianity in worship, good, positive, therapeutic, non-substantial, no service, no ministry, no evangelism. Okay? I believe this is where we're at in church today. We're coming to a degree where it's just you come and you use Jesus and you get out. Selfishness is being worshipped today, not Jesus. And the reason why we need to do evangelism is not, I believe, is partially for the people who are unreached, but partially for ourselves. You ever, you ever do door-to-door work? How many do canvassing, coal-portering, or door-to-door work? It is the most horrible work in the universe. I hate coal-porting with a passion. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're a coal-porter, God bless you. But what happens is when you knock on the door, your selfishness is combating against that person's selfishness. And in your mind, you're thinking, why do I have to wear a tie and a suit in the middle of Nebraska and for this person to stare at my Asian eyes and for me to humble myself before this guy who has tattoos and a, and, and a mohawk in Nebraska. Anyway, and, and me feeling afraid. And, and why do I have to tell him about Jesus? I don't want to do this. I want to go away. You are face-to-face with your selfishness in door-to-door in evangelism. When you're with your roommate, you're like, Hey, have you heard about Jesus? And, and you're, you're witnessing to them. Day after day after that, that person is watching you. You're face-to-face with your selfishness. You engage it. If you don't do ministry, you don't encounter your selfishness. You don't. You don't see it. You just think you're okay. Superficial worship. We have a worship service today uh, in some churches, many churches, a lot of churches, where it's just the same thing as a Baptist service or a Presbyterian service, but it's on Saturday. So what happens? You miss Sabbath school, you come in, not at 11.30, but you come out at like 11.55. You miss all the preliminaries, you hear the sermon, and you rush out to the parking lot and you get out of there. And you feel like, I'm a good Seventh-day Adventist. Routinized or intentional ignorance of the Word. So when the Word of we talked about this yesterday, when the Word of God is read, you're either thinking, oh, it's just the Word of God. And this happens to me all the time. When the pastor preaches on a certain, certain a story, I'm in my mind, and I fight at this every single time, I think... Oh, I heard this story already. How many of you guys done that? Is he talking about Noah again? I've been hearing about Noah since Cradle Rock. Oh, not Cradle Rock. <laughs> cradle Roll. Oh, man. Okay, Noah, he gets on the boat and he saves all the animals. Big deal. Okay. We have to come with a willing... It's all selfishness in the end. Amen, friends? It is. So when the preacher can't preach... How many have been to preachers can't preach? Horrible preachers, boring preachers. You're like, I'm in one right now. <laughs> you have to say, Lord, what is, what, is, what is the selfishness? I've been convicted on my selfishness through that more times than the preacher convicted me on the Word of God. Lord, I need to, Lord, take away this bedrock and help me just to listen with humble ears and without selfishness. Using Christianity in worship. How many of you, um, I used to be a part of a worship band, you know, where we have guitars and drums and, and, and this. And, and uh, I used to study with Sunday um, worship leaders. And I, I, got to, I got to a degree where I wanted it 
to bring into evidence so much until this one guy at a worship service, he got so into it that he went on top of the balcony and ripped his shirt off. Like WWF style and says, Lord Jesus, take me now. And he was just in his trance, I guess. And I looked up on the balcony. I'm like, dude, is he going to jump? What is he going to do? And, and the music's just going on. I'm like, all right, there's something wrong here. This is not a conducive worship experience. There's something wrong here. There's people who come to church for the emotional high and you get addicted to it. Amen? You do. You use it. There's some people that say, you know what? I went to service and I just don't feel good afterwards. There's no, there's no refreshing feeling. You're using service. You're, it's a selfish worship. We're worshiping selfish. Um, good positive therapeutic, the, no service ministry evangelism. We talked about that. No holiness, no denial of self. The purpose of worship, friends, is to come and to deny self. So today here, this is not a worship service. Amen? This is a seminar. We're learning stuff. We're opening the Word of God. We're studying together. But on divine service, every Saturday, when we come, we experience a denial of self. If we do not experience that denial of self, you have not worshipped yet. You haven't. You may have learned something. You may have experienced something, but you have not worshipped God yet. When you deny yourself, you remove yourself, and in that vacuum, Jesus comes in naturally, automatically. Is that clear? Yeah? Amen, friends? Okay. The Seventh-day Adventist Church, worship is particularly different because we believe in the Sabbath, sundown on Friday, the sun goes down, and then sundown on Saturday, the sun goes down again, obviously. During those two periods of time, God actually enters into time itself. Wherever God's presence is, that's the thing that's holy. Baptists believe the water is holy. That's what they call Baptists. The water is the holiest thing. Okay? Catholics, God's presence actually enters the little uh, wafer of the circle. So this becomes the holiest thing. Okay? Adventists believe, because scripture tells us, that God enters time itself. Do you guys know what time is? I want to show you time. Are you ready for time? I'm ready. Okay. Are you ready? Go. Fifteen seconds. We just experienced time. That's time. Now, what's time? Is, is it this chair? No, it's 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 this. <laughs> you understand? And when that sun goes down on Friday, God, God's essence, God's God, <laughs> enters into this. You understand? So you can't say, you know, if, if God's in the water in the Baptist service, you know, I don't want to be near God, and if the water's there, I'll just walk away from the Baptist service. If you don't want God in the Catholic service, I don't want to take communion. So there's the wafer, I'm like, oh, it's okay, Father, I'll, I'll pass today, and you go around in a circle. Okay? But in Adventism, in biblical Christianity, you can't escape from God on this one day. You either have to f- create a, a time device and freeze yourself in time before the sun goes down on Friday. I don't, I don't know how that would work. You can't. And so you have to submit yourself to the presence of God starting on Friday sundown to Friday Sabbath. Is that clear? Amen. So worship is not divine service from 1130 to 1230. We have this conception it's the holiest time, yes? 
So you're like, you're groggy, and at 11.30, and you're just awake, and then at 12.30, you're groggy again, you go back to sleep. Okay. The holiness factor, you did not, denial of self, occurs for a whole day of self-denial. Whoa. That's true worship. That's our calling. Yeah. Now, Jesus Christ in his life, he lived like a whole life of self-denial, right? Yeah. Now, ideally, that's where we're, that one day is where we surrender, and Jesus just takes possession of us. I know that sounds weird, but you know, Holy Spirit possession of us, and, we, and that that experience keeps us going for the next six days. And so we do live a life of self denial all the time. It's not like you're selfish for six days, and one day I'm like, oh, I can't be selfish. It's not that way, but it carries us that way. So that's a very good question. Okay. So, okay. Worship selfishness. Where does the joy come from? Worship. Revelation 13 and 14, we're not going to read it, but as Seventh-day Adventists, worship becomes the issue in the last days. It becomes what we're persecuted for, not because on the day that we're worshiping on, but because of the heart religion behind it, you understand. And the heart religion is tied to the day, you understand. Next. Persecution due to the Word of God, because we follow the Word of God, and you guys all know this because you're Seventh-day Adventists, you should. If you don't, read Great, great, great Controversy. Worship services should revolve around the Word of God and not around the pastor or officiator. So again, this book is why we're Seventh-day Adventists. And this book is the reason when we come to church, we're here like, all right, I just need to hear the Word of God, Word of God, Word of God, self-denial, Word of God, self-denial. But instead, how do we worship? We come and like, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. That's a wonderful dress that you're wearing. Hey, what's for potluck today? Oh, man, it's that pastor again. Ugh. And no wonder we have a horrible worship before experience. And when persecution comes, guess what? Do you think you're going to hang? Nada. No. <laughs> no. We've got to get back to the heart. Let's see. Holiness factor. Again, we talked about the holiness factor of the Sabbath. And this holiness factor leaks over to our personal life, to our corporate life, uh, marriage life, servitude, stewardship. So here we go. Worship is not just uh, the divine service. It's not just on Sabbath, but it leaks over to every aspect. Your devotions are your personal worship services. Every morning you worship the Lord. Those of you who are married, or those of you who are contemplating marriage, marriage is not romantic. There's nowhere in the Bible that says marriage is romantic. Now, marriage is loving, amen? But it's not, rom- it's not romantic. Your husband is never going to take his shirt off and have a six-pack and, and, and golden hair flowing out. Your, your wife is never going to wear a Victorian dress and flow out of a tower somewhere. That's never going to happen in your life, unless you're really weird. <laughs> it's never going to happen. But marriage is a place where two people experience oneness, a unity, that single people will never experience. That unity is something that the Trinity only experiences. That this, the state of being in marriage itself is worship. And why do you think Satan is attacking marriage today? The state of coexistence of two human beings is worship in itself. Anyway, think about that for today. Servitude, uh, stewardship, how we use our money, how we, we spend our time, all these things is, is a part of worship to the Lord. Offense. Many people are offended because of this book, because it takes too much effort. I've been in youth ministry, and uh, God bless their hearts. 
I don't think it's really a selfish thing. I think it's because they need more sleep. Teenagers need nine hours of sleep on average, more than the rest of us adults, I heard. But they say, I don't want to come out to church because it's just too much effort. It's just too early in the morning, 9.30. But if we go on a ski trip on Sunday morning, we have to get up at 6 o'clock, guess what? They're there at 4 in the morning. So it's, I think it's an issue of, of uh, priorities. I don't know what it is. Too much effort. They're also offended because it's inconvenient. What? I need to give this up. I need to do that. I need to start doing this. Ugh, it's inconvenient. All because of selfishness. And um, often it's because of a cherished sin. There's a book all of you guys should read by Elder Louis Torres. It's called uh, Getting... Decisions, making decisions, something about decisions. Okay, do an internet search on it. It's about decision making. What's that? Gaining decisions, yeah? Gaining decisions for Christ. He talks about this. When people are angry or infuriated, it's because they're convicted. They, they're, they, they're, they don't want to make a decision. He told the story, and it's hilarious. He told about the story about a man that he, was, he, he went to an evangelist. He's holding an evangelistic series. And this guy's a mechanic, and he, pull, he goes up to the house, and uh, the guy takes one look at him and starts running. He books down the street. Now, if any normal, if that happened to any normal pastor, they'd be like, oh, man, oh, he must be afraid. I'm just going to go back in my car. Elder Louis Torres runs after him. So this guy, he's running down the neighborhoods, suburbia of America, running down sweating down and he's running for his life not from a criminal not from a mass murderer but from a Hispanic pastor <laughs> okay. and Elder Torres is running after him and I don't know how fit he was but he, I just imagine he's booking it along with him he's, I just imagine he's going all over fences and underneath trees and through cars and, and finally the dude stops turns around says I'll come to your meeting I'm convicted I just don't want to go because I have da 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 give up something da 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 so when young people are, are angry, parents, when young people are angry, it's not because their hormones are angry. A lot of times they're just convicted on something. And if, you're, if your friends are angry, don't forget about when your friends are angry or offended. Just keep on going. Press through it. I mean, don't be annoying. <laughs> but press through it. They're convicted about something. All because of a cherished sin. People are rarely offended. They're merely defending their, their, their cherished sins that they have. A lack of death. The principles of Scripture must permeate throughout the entire Christian's life. The Word of God must sink deep. And that's what we're talking about. Christianity and worship, the Word of God must sink deep. It's not just memorization and then repeating what the pastor says, and then, okay, it's not that. It must sink deep. How do we do that? Full understanding and practice. We talked about that yesterday. It must permeate throughout the family and marriage. That's something I think we're losing in North America today. Noah was considered the, one of the greatest preachers of righteousness. If you think about it, he only saved how many people? Seven, Seven people. How many people, was, how many people were committed to his trust? The entire antediluvian world, like 1.6 bazillion people, I don't know, whatever. So you divide seven over 1.6 bazillion people, what is his success rate? 0.000001% success rate. But the New Testament considered him as a great preacher. Why? He converted his family. How many have that one person in your family that's just so difficult to reach? I think the Lord placed that person in your family. One, to, to elicit your selfishness, <laughs> to show you how selfish, but also give you a burden for souls. 
If Adventists were just responsible for our families, Jesus would have been here by now. We have a, a, uh, uh, an injunction to convert our families. We do. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's hard. But it, we do. The word must sink deep to our families, our marriages. Those who are married, I don't think there's a lot of you here, so I'll skip that part. The word must impact your life calling. You cannot be a Las Vegas uh, uh, car dealer and a Seventh-day Adventist at the same time. The, the two just do not connect. Okay? You may think, well, while I'm dealing cards, I can witness to the person. Uh, no, you can't. In practice, you're contradicting the person. Well, I want to be a, a pork dealer. A pork dealer. Uh, anyway, let's just keep on going. It must impact your, how you spend your money, how you eat, your dress. And it must impact what causes you live for. Okay. Now, here we go. Adventists are, are quite superficial to agree. They think, you know what? If I'm, a, if I'm a vegetarian, and I wear a long dress, and I don't wear earrings, and I memorize the Bible every day, I'm a set Christian. Christianity must overflow to other aspects, yes? Now, there's something that us, I believe, I'm of the, I believe of the, the right wing of the, of the Adventist church. Conservative is the, the word that we use. Now, we have standards, and we love lifestyle, and we love the word, the truth, and, you know, I don't know why we do this, but conservatives do this all the time, okay? Now, the left hand of the church is super integrated in society. There's something about us that we're afraid of society, okay? And, and, and I'm not saying we should integrate fully and, and live in cities. I mean, we, we, anyway, that's another issue, another seminar next year. But we should engage society as much as possible, and as the Word of God is being permeated in our lives and, our, and our, the essence of who we are, it overflows to other things. Why is it conservative Adventists have no passion for the environment? We think, oh, well, Jesus is coming soon. Who cares? And we you know, throw you know, trash out. Stewardship. Why is it that we're so, uh, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, but we, we were so obsessed with fine-tuning of whether Jesus came in 33 AD or 33.5 AD in March or April or, or the, uh, you know, but we don't care there's 5 million people dying in Rwanda because of AIDS. Why is that? Why is there that disconnect? That's the number one, I think, uh, uh, people have against conservative biblical Adventists. We need to engage culture. Not be part of the culture, but engage culture. Is that clear? Amen? Do you agree? Yeah? Um, political causes. We need to be involved in politics. Now, before you go, whoa. Religion. The Word of God must inform our politics, but not dictate our politics. Is that clear? So we don't go like, who are the presidential candidates? And, oh, no one's an Adventist. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm not going to vote this year. It's not, oh, who's the Christian one? Oh, it's not like, oh, he's Catholic. <laughs> That's not what we should do at all. We must think rationally, okay, we have a devotional life must permeate what are the political beliefs that I have? What are the values that I have? What do I want to advocate in this country? Um, environmental, social causes, economic causes. These are all things we've got to think about. Intelligent, rational, and biblical Christians. All based on denying self. Amen, friends? So when you go home, buy some fluorescent bulb, bulbs and save the environment. Not because it makes you feel better, because a lot of people are, are saving the environment because of selfish sakes. We talked about selfish motives. But Jesus has made us stewards of the earth. And we need to, you know, da-da-da-da, all that stuff. 
Theologically correct worship can have selfish motivations. Correct lifestyles can have selfish motivations. Devotions, evangelism, prayer lives can be selfish. And selfishness is this bedrock that prevents depth of character. Selflessness leads to depth. And I want to encourage you guys, read the book of education. The best book ever in the whole world. Okay? This book of education does not talk about education at all. It talks about life. And the purpose of life is to serve. And when you serve, you, there's this depth that's created in you. The word of God just permeates down. You find a purpose for your life. There's meaning to life. It's just, it's all very, uh, all conclusive. Go to Philippians chapter 2. I think this is our last verse for today. Uh, humility, oh, not for today, but this, this session. Um, Philippians chapter 2. The humility of, of Jesus is is the pattern that we have. Chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given them a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is our example. What this means is that our lives is, is a life of service. What that means is this. When you're sitting there in, in a seminar, there is even a selfish motivation to listen to a seminar. And I don't know what, what it could be. But you're thinking, what? how can I be selfless? How can I be selfless? Maybe I can pick up that the piece of garbage right there. I want to be servant, functional, useful in some way. When you're waiting in the, in the cafeteria line, don't just stand there and like, when am I going to be fed? That's a selfish motivation. You're like, hmm, let me talk to this person. I don't like to talk to people, but I'm going to deny self. I'm going to talk to this person. Um, hey, instead of waiting at the airport and just getting a candy bar, how can I use this money to do, you know, donate to salvation? I mean, you're constantly thinking of different things to deny yourself. That bedrock where the depth can't get beyond, is super strong. And as we deny self, we've got to ask Jesus to take like one of those, if you watch on TV infomercials, that little the claw thing, just jam it in, it breaks up, you know, rough ground. Jesus, take a claw and go inside my heart and just crush it. We need to be selfless people. That's the only way the Word of God can permeate in us. Only way. I think there's a couple more slides, and I think we'll call it after this. Um... Solution. I think we mentioned this. We need to ask for self-denial. The plower must break the soil. It's a painful process, but based on the willingness of heart, the sun may bake or melt. Thus far, we talked about the, the wayside. Wayside people think you think you are on the way, but you're not really on the way. Stony ground people think that you're having a great experience, but you're not. And the next one is about thorns going against the grain, against the system. Okay? I think if we take these three soils and prevent uh, the weaknesses from these three soils, we can actually discover how to become the good ground after this. Okay, Okay. let's have a word of prayer. You guys are looking, looking uh, pretty intense. <laughs> but we'll have a word of prayer. And may the Lord help us in this. Amen, friends? May the Lord help us in this. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we talked about selfishness today. 
Lord, perhaps we, we've heard this so many times, uh, but I believe this is the root of the matter. Lord, we ask, as you have given us a choice, we seek to be the fourth type of ground. Lord, it is a cry from our hearts. We don't want to be a wayside. We don't want to be a thorn. We don't want to be a stony ground. Help us to produce fruit, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you be with every person who has come to this seminar and every person who listens to this MP3. We seek selflessness. Break this bedrock and permeate to the, the depths of our hearts so that we may have a true religion and not a superficial one. We endeavor to follow in the footsteps of your Son. We pray this in his dear name. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.